Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Everybody, uh, welcome to episode two hundred and seventy. Good job, you got that one. Of the Bitcoin, yeah. Last week was rough. I got the number this week. Episode two hundred and seventy of the Bitcoin podcast. Uh, I'm the host that talks first, D, <laughs> and I'm the host that talks second. Usually, Corey uh, Colin is joining us today from hashing it out. Thank what up? He's the host that like talks you. after the you, second. Oh, guy. You're, you were going to do the thing. You were going to do the thing, weren't you? Go ahead and do it. Do the thing. Oh, wait. The thing we do every do time on the, on the episode. Like, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Colin. I got you. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, it won't be weird at all. Don't worry about it. Like, yeah, go it's for it. It's not the same show. Can't do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. So, man, it's been. A, how was everybody's week? Man, this is pretty good. Colin, you've yeah. been moving to New York. Yeah. Doxing. That's a lot of work. Holy fuck, man. Moving. Moving so, is. So you're there. You start work. Yeah. Are you going to make the announcement that you're actually, of what you're doing and stuff ever? Uh, No, not ever. No. Okay. Um, No, actually, uh, yeah. Uh, I guess this. Uh, I've accepted a job offer with uh, Ava Labs um, with uh, Emin Gunser, Dr. Emin Gunser, and uh, Kevin Sonic. Uh, wait, Sonic? Goddamn! Oh, oh, right. Right. Yeah, no shit. Uh, Sorry, that's actually a lot easier. It's just my brain wouldn't was reading it in my head and it was wrong. Anyway, um, and uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty awesome up here in Brooklyn and Williamsburg, and this is where I'll be residing. So awesome, working mm-hmm. on the new Avalanche protocol, their version of it, and uh, getting that that going. Do you find that all of a sudden you have a new affinity for Spider Man? Do you like him more now because you live in New York? No, actually, I think he's a curse. I think he's actually a villain. I'm going to go work for the Daily Planet, and um, you know, and help, you just mix worlds. I'll bring him down. Pretty sure you just mixed worlds. The Daily Planet was Superman, right? I have no idea. I think it was Superman. The Daily What's Bugle. B- Daily Bugle. The Daily Bugle. Right, there you go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm starting smoking cigars and grow, cut down to a mustache. And... Yeah. What is a bugle? That's the. Isn't that like a horn? It's like a trumpet. Ah, uh, I thought it was a dog. Like, it's a trumpet without any it's valves. A beagle. So you could literally just like blow into it. You have to use your lip control in order to get the actual sound out of it. I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah you um, gotta tighten those lips up. Yep. So what? What is uh? For those that don't know what Ava or Avalanche is, do you want to give a a, a short uh, synopsis of? Yeah, Doctor Seussit. Doctor Seussit for us. Sure. So uh, I'm pretty picky, as everybody knows, uh, and uh, I was looking for kind of like the, the the something that would be really bleeding edge uh, if I was, you know, for my next move. And so um, something that uh, was released last year was a um, a white paper by a team called Team Rocket, um, which is uh, yeah also a villainous group in Pokemon. So great choice there, guys. I'm not really sure where that came from. Um, we don't really know who they are. It's another one of those like. Satoshi situations where we have no idea who released the paper, and it has some really uh, interesting, uh, interesting thoughts on how to do consensus and propose a new protocol as a result. Um, and this protocol is kind of a, a series of, of uh, steps to to actually, it's like a series of protocols that kind of build on each other. So there's like Snowflake, Snowball, and and Avalanche, and it enables you to sort of um, form consensus across a, a large network of validators. Um, without having to have the sort of um, uh, uh, throughput and scaling issues that uh, a traditional blockchain would have. So it's a whole new class of, of consensus protocol. So, you know, originally there was like 
the Leslie Lamport trusted nodes. We know where they are, you know, basically led to like things like Zookeeper. Um, and, uh, you know, it was formed in the 70s. And then there was the Satoshi paper, which kind of revolutionized the idea of this, this global consensus network where everybody could kind of agree on what is true. And then Avalanche is this new protocol that, that does that at a much larger scale. Um, and uh, early tests uh, from the APA protocol are doing 6,500 transactions per second, and it's not even a game to test. So mm-hmm. it's extremely interesting. Um, they're developing a new, we're developing a new coin around it, and it's going to be, um, it's going to be fun to, to jump in on that. So that's why I'm here. Yeah, and if you want some nice. more details on that, um, go listen to the interview that me and Colin did on hashing it out. Uh, we, we, we talk with uh, Dr. Two. Sarir, two of them, and discussing like how it works, why it works, why you think why you think it's going to. Um, Take over Is it going to change stuff? the world? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a whole. It, like it's it. like a whole new class of, of a whole new way of doing things that doesn't. Uh, like blockchain isn't the only answer. Is basically what it's trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it, distributed and consensus. Comparing it in, in yeah. a Byzantine, in a Byzantine setting, when people could just leave the network. Did you feel like Jasmine from Aladdin when they showed you how it worked? I can show you the world. Yeah, did he just like, <laughs> did he straight up like hand you his hand and said, get on my magic carpet, I'm about to show you how yeah. Avila. That's, that's kind of how it was like, yeah. I just Shining, shimmering, splendid. You were like, yes, yes, show me. <laughs> I just watched the, the uh, live oh, action one of that. Did you watch the live action? Aladdin? How was it? I how was it? How'd Will Smith do? I enjoyed it. I that knew you good. that core. But I like you like all movies. I do, but like, I was also like I I watched Aladdin a lot. Okay. Growing up. My I watched Beauty all and the Beast movies a lot. Which is pretty feminist of me. I watched well, a I'm lot like, of Beauty and the Beast. Lion King? I related to the Beast. No, nah, Lion King is my niece's jam, bro. She she's in it. She's invested to win it. Oh, did you see the deep fake of the the um? Uh, they deep faked the new one that was kind of like pseudo live action. Yeah, it's actually really cool. It's a lot better. I don't know why they didn't do that. <laughs> because Disney's it not was... appealing to us anymore. They're appealing to the Chinese audience. They don't give a damn. Well, no, it wasn't even that. It was just like the actual movie itself was kind of like you need the kind of cartooniness to bring it, bring the story to light. You need the facial expressions that animals don't have. You think? And, like, and then they they did this deep fake where they made it cartoony. And it was so spot on good. I mean, like every scene that they did was so good. I was like, this should have been what that was. Like they should remake yeah, it using the like deep fake and that. pay those people a ton of money. Like it was so much yeah. better. All right. So uh got a couple topics today. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Bitcoin, man. No, I don't want to start Bitcoin. I want to start there. What? Damn, shut well, down. Yeah, I guess we can. We, we kind of can because I want to talk I want to about... start there. You're outvoted. Well we are starting there because that's where <laughs> that's where that's where D was yesterday. Um, yeah, at the time of recording, D went to a conference. At the what was it? The BitBlock Boom conference in Texas. It is BitBlock Boom, uh, and talks to a bunch of BTC maximalists. And so, tell us about the whole like one like. Tell us about the conference. Tell us about who was there. Tell us about yeah. your experience. Who you talked to, etc. So the conference is put on by Gary of the Crypto Cousins podcast. It's on Let's Talk Bitcoin Network. Gary Leland. Um, uh, yeah. And Gary Leland, and it's a very um, uh, small conference on purpose. It's capped at 125 people, um, which is really awesome because it feels really personal. Like you get to have great conversations with uh, the Bitcoin personalities that are there. Like Jimmy Song was there. Um, let's see, Safadine Amos Amos was there. Uh, Pierre Richard was there. Tone Bays was there. Um, are these people speaking or just attending? Uh, there were people speaking as well. What? They all spoke. Jimmy Song gave an excellent talk. Actually, I was I was really impressed. Um, his punchline was a little lackluster. Um, there was also a guy that I met for the first time named Michael uh, Bitstein. I think his real name is Michael Goldstein, but he's like a professed internet troll. <laughs> wow! Uh, you know, That's you know who he is. No, I just I just liked the, the the changing of the last name from Gold to Bitstein. Yeah, um, he's funny as hell, and he gave this whole talk. It wasn't until halfway into the talk I realized it was all a joke, but it started out as like, "All right, this is how to be a good troll on Twitter," and I was like, "Is this really what Bitcoin maximalism is all about?" And like, the second slide was like relentless propaganda, 
we are going to crush them. We are going to, and then, but I did learn something called a, a trigonomy, I guess. And that is when you're trying to create like memetic behavior, use three word phrases. The master of this is our very own leader, Donald Trump. And so he was like, I'm going to give you three memes that are going to work for Bitcoin. Number go up, orange coin good, all coins bad. But and then he was like, he just went on and he's like, use just three words. That's all we need. And he's like, you like you a come... cobbler, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, but he's like, the the research shows that these kinds of trigonomies or what they're called are what spur viral movements is just three word phrases that make you sound now is it three single single syllable words or can you have like double three three single syllable words interesting no no just three words three words like number go up is what he it was very funny because he kept like there were actually newbies in the audience and they would ask like how do i explain this to my friends and he would say number go up (laughs) and that was it and they were like well i guess that does make sense right because the number does go up and i was like Hmm. Yeah, I don't this like that. Crazy. I don't like that. <laughs> I think crazy. oversimplification is is dangerous, and that's why we we're in the position we are with things like Donald Trump. Yeah. Well, and, you know, um, manipulation is I mean, valuable. It's not manipulation is valuable. It's not. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think you're the audience they're going for. No, I'm with, certainly not the audience they're going for. They said that shit to me. I'd be like, like "You're going to have to do better than three words." <laughs> yeah. Orange coin good. Bitcoin is best. Um. But that was a very funny talk. Shitcoin um, sell now. Yeah. And or, they don't call. Guess, like, would shitcoin be two words, it? by the way? I don't know. No. Shitcoin two one words. Word. Are, it's one word. So you can That's say shitcoin sell now. Okay. Got it. Cool. Colin's taking Hobble, notes. Hobble all things. <laughs> oh, no. It's, Shit. it's definitely going into my, 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 my skill set. Are you I'm building like, a table now? <laughs> building a table? No, I'm seriously. I'm, I'm, I'm working this into my personal strategy in life, you know? Like, oh, this is this is fucking frustrating. How how can I make this go away? I know. I'll just get right to the point. Sell your shit. <laughs> it's just three words is all you need. Um, what the thing I notice most about maximalists, Bitcoin maximalists in this case, because that's all the uh, anecdotal data I have right now. I guess there's a reason why I was very... invited. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, they're very. Um, oppositional like is bad like especially there's one moment i was listening to i think it was pierre richard who was like isps are the devil isps are complete evil and i was like excuse me i was like uh i mean i mean they do some bad stuff but i'm pretty sure they're not that they're not the devil i mean i think they're doing things that if we collectively agree as a people we don't like we could change but i mean they're not the devil like Everyone in here is using one right now, and we're doing just fine. Like, I don't know if they're the devil. And so they're so out there, I think, politically, that they just oppose I think all things. Anytime you become a maximalist, you tend to um, – they're not doing it for technology's sake. They're doing it – they're using the technology as a vehicle for some ideology that they hold, like, really near and dear to themselves. And because mm-hmm. of that, like, it's a weapon almost and so they take absolute like absolutist stances on a lot of stuff because of that ideology and then use the, the technology to like try and bring it to re- try and bring it to life which is a very dangerous thing uh, mm-hmm. in general like I take for example um, the clockmakers world or clockmakers view of the universe and uh, tied to cl- classical mechanics and physics and so like beforehand, Basically, the the idea of physics is that if you knew the starting locations and initial velocities of all particles in the universe, then you could watch the entire universe unfold and know what will happen in, in, in every point in the future. That was just a very difficult thing to do, but the, in, in theory, you could do that. And so that led to the clockmakers. That made that led to the <laughs> clockmakers' view of the universe, and that God or whatever created the initial thing, and then just set it set it set it loose, and then it was on you know, the course to do whatever it did based on how it was set up initially. And there's nothing you could do about that. 
Oh, I see. But that thing can't has to exist outside the universe. Just caveat. Yeah, sure. I know. That's, 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 demon. that's, that's yeah. the, the yeah, whole yeah. point of that is that you can't do anything about it. That's just the way things set out to go in motion. And mm-hmm. because they used because this came from classical mechanics, when we found quantum mechanics, that view was basically just nullified and nothing you could do about it. And so if, if there was anything good about that viewpoint or usefulness of that viewpoint, it tended to get looked on negatively because quantum mechanics threw that through a loop through a wrench in that. We still use classical mechanics in most of the things we do in physics, but like the worldview attached to it is no longer valid. Mm-hmm. And so like it, it's it's dangerous when you try and use something as a weapon to push an ideology, especially if you hold it near and dear and say nothing everything else is bad. And you see a lot of maximalists do this. It's just a mm-hmm. it's, it's just a bad way of doing things. But Whatever people will be people, and they'll continue to do it. Yeah, you know, when I was well, in Prague, I, mean, I used what, a little is bit there of a uh, counter argument to that, by the way, because like information freedom, information and free free speech, and all that sort of seem to be you know kind of tied together. And there was a lot of like movement in the early stages of the internet to keep it open and and free. Uh, that was definitely leveraging a technology to push an ideology, but the ideology itself wasn't necessarily bad. Do you think that there's possibility that maybe? maximalism of that kind of stuff isn't necessarily always bad, but sometimes... Well, then again, that's my opinion. I'm sure there's probably well, some statists out there who disagrees. The main thing that you need to... like, If you want to be scientific about it is that if someone comes up with evidence that's counter to your main argument, you have to absorb that. And if you're a yes. maximalist, yes, you, you're, you're much more reluctant what? to do that. Science? I mean, this is 2019. Get that fucking science out of here. If you about present information that is against whatever it is you believe, then you have to believe it because the information trumps everything else. Yes. Yeah, All right, Galileo. We've had enough of your fucking heresy. I don't have time We've had enough of you. We've had We're going to fucking lock your ass up. I am tired of this garbage. You are yeah. Stupid. Dr. Cuss a lot over here. Get your um, science out of here. Sorry, I, I got to stop cussing. Apologies. Are we trying to go, are we trying to go clean on this, this one? Uh, clean, nah, man. Not every other word. Let's kick it old school. <laughs> All right. I actually was told at this conference that they appreciate our authenticity. And I was like, yeah, man, it's almost like that's what we're trying to be. So um, it's way Corey, more fun. There was real. one <laughs> and true. I, in Prague, I use some um, classical mechanics, if you will. Um, I took a piss off a bridge and I remembered in <laughs> physics class, if I hold my wing at a 45 degree angle, the piss will go the furthest. So literally 45 degrees up from the horizon. Yeah. 40, 45 degrees from up from the, the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> so look at you. Thank you. Did you adjust for wind though? There was no wind. And I only Thank got away God. with it because it was nighttime in my complexion. They couldn't see me. They tried. So it was Prague. They were trying to look at your dick. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> I mean, Shit, I don't blame him. You know what I'm saying? No. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, so the conference was good. I was on a panel. I played the middle ground guy in between a maximalist on the right, which, uh, Tony, I love you, but I've got to agree to disagree that Obama is not a CIA operative. <laughs> that was an interesting conversation, my man. That man is had, absurd. Had a maximalist on my right, and then I had. Well, what's funny is that the actual altcoin enthusiast um, that was supposed to be there backed out like five days before what the event. So, so exactly. Poonana. So we had to substitute in a guy named Dr. Bitcoin to play. The- <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet he is definitely playing a quality altcoin maximalist position. <laughs> It's like Fox he News, and they bring on he some laughed. crazy person that doesn't. It doesn't actually. It's like just he's just there to like prove the yeah. original point of the actual yeah. maximalism. Yeah. He's like, what am I supposed to? I'm supposed to be the bad guy? Okay. Um, yeah. Like, well, pretty much. That's yeah. The it's way like it it's like, like when the church does a play, and in the play, there's an atheist, and is clearly played by and written by somebody who's like all about the church. Like, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yep. His name's Jebediah, but uh, <laughs> Cain. Yeah, <laughs> she. So he, the atheist Kane, <laughs> he bowed out after like question three. He was like, "Um, all honesty, everyone, my name's Doctor Bitcoin on Twitter, and I'm just supposed to be playing devil's advocate." <laughs> so and like, stupid. they looked at him like, "Why? Why would you say that?" Like, <laughs> and but anyways, it was it was really fun. 
a lot of people liked that I was able to establish a realistic middle ground between the two. Um, is that is that live? Is there any way to watch that video? Yeah, it should be coming out soon. I think Gary's got to do his whole editing process on it. His spiel on getting it getting it production level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. It was, it was fun, man. I, I kind of want to do more, to tell you the truth. If there's more weekend conferences I could squeeze out and hop on panels and stuff. It was really fun. I would like you to be on panels all the time. Yeah, I just need to smarten up. Because if I go in front of the Ethereum crowd uh, just winging it, not to say I I totally didn't just wing it yesterday, but <laughs> if I go in front of them with all of the shit that's going on in the Ethereum community, I'll just look like a guy that can smile well, and I don't want to be that guy. So, um, well, I don't think that's your space, man. Like Ethereum's very closed. I mean, they're not interested in Bitcoin maximalism at all. They're not interested in talking about Bitcoin. Bitcoin's Evan another Van thing. Ness. They don't really and care that, that much. You know, is the problem. Like that's that they the don't problem. care. It's it's like it doesn't impact them one way or another whether or not Bitcoin is maximalized. They don't care. It's like it's like why would they? They're not in it for the same reasons. Like they're not in it for a coin necessarily. They're in it for the development of decentralized well, applications the, and, a good and infrastructure. Portion of them are, but there's also a, a, a good oh, yeah. amount of a good amount of people that are in it to try and be rich. I'm saying if you're going to an Ethereum con- uh, conference, you're probably talking about things more than just the coin. Absolutely, I would say that. You know, and, and I. And I think I think you know if you were you wouldn't need to smarten up. You would just be like, hey, you know, maybe you should talk about things like interfacing with Ethereum and Bitcoin, yada yada yada. But, well, I would yeah. I would also but say that, that that's the case that's in what Bitcoin I would talk is about. because there's not much else to talk about. I mean, but that's not necessarily true. There's Taproot and there's Schnorr that is really looking like it's gaining traction, and that's going to be a good soft fork there. I'll believe that one. There's I see another it. soft fork. Uh, yeah, me too, but. I, I guess the ASIC difference is, is like, when, I, when I go to Dev when I go to DevCon, there's all this talk of this is the main difference I'd like for everyone to take away. Is like when I go to DevCon, there's all this talk of like hope and what we can build and what we can do, which is great. Um, there's not necessarily any s- concentrated effort to go one way. It's just all this hope. And this Bitcoin Maximus conference was not a lot less hope and a lot more. What do we need to build right now to make this easier to use? That's a reasonable like, stance. Here's some wallets that are coming out that are new that offer this and that. Here's some more user-advanced wallets. Um, there's a company there, which I love, Liberty X, was the one genius. I don't know, Corey, if you remember when we talked about Bitcoin ATMs eons ago. But I was like, why are they spending thousands making a machine? Just update the software. Like, come on. And this company I mean, did it. Come on, <laughs> yeah. I mean, jeez, Jesus. Um, but this company, Liberty X, has done it. And surprise, surprise, they have the most ATMs in the U.S. right now. They're just going in and updating, and then saying, "Hey, ATM operator, you want to make an extra two percent a month?" And they're like, "I like money." And they're like, <laughs> "All right, well, launch this app on your ATM." And they're like, "Okay, go do it." Fix it. I think so, that has to do with infrastructure of the software. Like the software had to be of a certain quality, which means that ATMs, the, the, the most ATMs needed to be certain at a certain threshold of technology for someone to be able to offer that. Right? If you look mm-hmm. at an old ATM, that thing is not that thing's not able to run apps, if you will. It has a specific hard soft hard or software that just does just takes care of like whatever the the hardware on that machine does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have general purpose operating systems on a lot of those things where you can add an application to them and a lot of the older ATMs. And so in order for you to be able to do something like that, which I think happened um, after Bitcoin ATMs were first introduced, you need the regular ATM infrastructure to be able to support applications. Now that they do, a company can come in like Billy X and do that. Yeah. Um, so it was overall, I'd say great conference. Um, I like that it's just I'll I'll go every year to tell you the truth. Like I like that it's just like 120. As long as it's people. free, you know what I'm saying? We ain't paying for conferences. Hell no. There was a steak dinner that Ray went to. It was $178 to go to dinner, and I was like, bro, there's no steak on this planet that good. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree on that one. Yeah, you yeah. pay $178 for a steak. I will. 
It better be a damn good steak, though. I'll be real upset. I'll be real most picky. Of, I'll be. Yeah, most of paid is eighty five bucks, and I got to say, yeah, that was that was good steak, but I could have spent that eighty five bucks more efficiently. Nah, efficiently. I'll be paying yeah. for the, paying for an experience and a networking nah. opportunity. Let me tell you about mm. how we're building things. <laughs> Going if to I pay, that makes sense. Now, that, that, that makes a lot more sense. Like, if you're paying for the network opportunity, I get it. But. Nah, I better be getting a reach around. I'm not paying $178 <laughs> for a damn steak just to eat steak. Hell no, I'll go to Chipotle. All you right, don't so. appreciate the finer qualities of a good piece of meat. Yeah, I appreciate the finer qualities of money. That's what I that's Money what is I a means to an end to Number get go delicious up. pieces of meat. <laughs> Number go down. up. Meat tastes go good. Up. Meat tastes good. Uh, it's so easy to bust out trigonomies. It is. What else, what else we got here? Uh, anything else about the conference that you uh, um, want to talk about? Nah. The mints were bomb. Good job, Gary. Had like six of them hoes. All right. Mints? mints? Yeah, like, man. Like dinner mints? Yeah, they those look butter mints. The ones those that are so good. Dude, you oh, can get those God. at like any hotel. Just go in and grab a handful of them and walk out. I could no. probably just. It's like one of my favorite candies. They taste like my grandmother's love. God, it tastes so good. That's a Anyways, weird, weird thing that's a weird, 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 weird way to put that. No, only because you guys are weird and you took it weird. So I mean, <laughs> it was the tone. It was more the tone than the words, man. Was oh yeah, my grandma's love. So what was what was uh? <laughs> so like I usually don't like anything that Bitcoin Bitcoin maximalists have to say because they're so absolutist in a lot of things. Like there's no there is no subtlety to what they have to say. Because there's more of an agenda, and then a push for that agenda. But like you said, Jimmy Song's talk was really good. Why? Yeah, I did. Uh, I thought it was really good because he did a good old-fashioned debate tactic, which was outline all things that are wrong with the system. Um, like the incentive structure does not help the individual progress. It's really a system that's based to support large companies like very large companies and then large companies. And then he basically was like venture capitalists have figured this out that if you, if you just get a billion dollar company, you now have enough money and power to supersede all of the laws and all of the things like that's what everybody's trying to do. And that's how you win the quote unquote video game of American capitalism is you find a way to stack up enough money and then you find a unicorn. And once you've got a unicorn, you can do any of the things you can't lose your money because the the government's going to, subsidize anything for you because you're that big you're too big to fail or whatever too many people's jobs are dependent upon your company staying up um he just had a lot of great points and you know he just like the system as it exists today is not support is not really supporting the individual is not definitely not supporting the family anymore we're talking about it's the natural are you talking about bitcoin or are we talking about like he's talking about the actual incumbent financial system okay in America. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah, and, I agree with that. Uh, but here's the, where he lost me is that all he used was a damn trigonomy at the end of at the end of pointing out everything that was wrong. All he said was Bitcoin fixes this and then dropped the mic. And I was like, What what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, well, first off, I'm gonna argue against that point in that I think that yeah. Bitcoin's just creating a side economy that's of the same ilk. Uh, if you look at the number of of, uh, of actual like mining pools and the number of people who can actually afford to throw up something like um, these these mining mining rig farms in China or the one that that uh, what is it Blockstream just opened in did they open in Nevada whatever mining like, is not the only thing that's valuable in the ecosystem it's, it's just not. the validation it's, I get that I understand that but but the people who mine can bring in the incentive structure into their into their wallets. You see what I mean? And so like they're actually farming coins, which gives them a, a pool of, of monetary power that is has an economic purpose behind it. That's sure. why they're mining if you, it. If it and if, so, if the difference between the cost of the of the production and the coins that you're mining is 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 good enough. So like with media companies, I see that there's going to be a consolidation effort in these mining pools. Well, that's that's correct. Yeah, but the thing that about mining happen. pools, and that this is something happen. that was this is something that was actually pointed out to me very intimate, and I was like, you know what? I gotta back off from that argument because he's absolutely right. Mining pools are just individuals. 
there are a bunch of individuals that agree that this mining pool has the standards that they want. So they aggregate all their efforts to get more Bitcoin to increase their opportunity. But there is a hint of decentralization that can exist there because if a mining pool ever does anything malicious, they will take their miners and point them to a different pool. The problem is, is the lack of hash information. Hash power is the word I was probably supposed the, to use the, there. The, the, yeah, hash power. But like the, the problem is, is there's not a lot of transparency of what the mining, what the mining operator or the pool operator is actually doing. So even if there is something shady going on, finding out that shading, something shady is happening, it's really hard to do. And so like, they, and, and as we've figured, learned from the past, mining operations, people who people who are mining in Bitcoin don't give a shit about Bitcoin. They give a shit about making money. Mm -hmm. And then there was another argument to, well, what if the Chinese, this is the argument I'd never heard before, but somebody said, you know, what will China, the, the altcoin guy, he was like, 60% 60 60 of the mining is in China. What happens if China just takes it? And then somebody stood up in the audience when we asked for questions and they said, well, really, the way the blocks are structured, the only effective way for them to do that is to line up a bunch of empty blocks. And if they started lining up a bunch of empty blocks, then the other miners would see that and there would be a fork. And no, I was like, what if they I mean, just take the hardware and the and the actual means of production? That's more concerning state actors taking over uh, a large majority of the hash power that's on the system. Um, yeah, and it's but not they're... like they're going to manipulate things. It's just that they're going to reap all the benefits and the rewards of having that hash power, which I is... I don't the... care about that. I do. I very, very much do. I think that, that <laughs> the whole idea of democratizing money is that people are able to uh, earn some sort of incentives for participating in the network. Um, that, that, and... Yeah, but anyone can still participate in the network. They can't do anything about censorship there. Well, I'm not concerned about censorship. Well, and the reason for that is because that's obvious. Like, you can still participate in the system. Mining only validates and then provides the hash power security for proof of work. They're not allowing you or disallowing you to actually use the network as a user. So who gives a shit? I mean, Since I, they can't I, censor, I get, I get yeah. you. then who cares? You. Yeah, you should have true. said your mom, Colin. That would now, have what, now, what is a problem here uh, <laughs> that I would argue is that if they just turned it all off, and the hash power dropped substantially. Like, say the hash power dropped by half in a day. That means that blocks are going to take longer than longer than ten minutes, longer than twenty minutes, probably longer yep. than thirty minutes to actually get found for a long period of time. For a long period of time until it gets to the to the point in which the difficulty readjusts to the new hash power, which is what every two yeah. two thousand. Or the blocks network can decide to fork. No, it's every one thousand fourteen blocks. I forget. I forget the number of blocks it takes, but it's like a week. I mean, the network, yeah, the network it would take like a month and a, it would take like yeah, a month. That is clout too. And so because of that, that week, like, I think it happens every, I forgot. It's been a while since I've looked into Bitcoin fundamentals. But Let like, me take a look. Um, because of How that, would the network be the impacted, impacted by a, in, a sudden influx of computing uh, hash power? Uh, the, um, the block time would, it would, would decrease. Down. Block time yeah, would I, decrease. I understand that. But like, let's say we got the, like suddenly the U.S. decides to dump like a huge amount of some sudden power that they have using for something else. Just dump it onto, say, hashing. Um, which they have the resources to do a lot of this. Like, would would right. that would that drop the drop it down to a point where confirmation times are sub minute? And if so, what is what is the effect of that on the entire? No, network? you're not going to have like the that that amount of hash power doesn't exist to break it down. That, okay, that, I haven't that done number. the numbers on that. Yeah. Okay, I have previously. Um, I know that, that, that that's not going to be the case. Yeah. But, yeah. Every 2016 blocks is roughly every two weeks. The difficulty adjusts. So that difficulty, it, we can actually just crunch out the math, right? If the hash power dropped by 50%, it would be a four-week difficulty wait. If So if 60%... Depending on where you are. A little more than so half. It depends on where it, you are uh, relative to the next difficulty adjustment. Say you're like halfway through, then, then it's just going to double the amount of time to get to the next... How, however the much next time, time is left, right? And that's that's basically like DDoSing. That's basically DDoSing the system to make it even more unusable than it already is. Now, which which will then like basically come online, and then like you can you can mess with that type of stuff if you play with the hash power to that degree. Now, the system is resilient; it will keep going. But if you have a tremendous amount of infrastructure relying upon that stuff, then all of those services lose their quality yeah. uh, drastically. To, There's nothing to, to call on. But back to Colin's point, and that's kind of like. 
the beauty of the system is why would China turn them off? They would just take the Bitcoin coming out of them. What if it's not, what if it's not profitable? What if they want to get rid of Bitcoin? What if the costs associated with just doing that are not that big of a deal uh, relative to the amount of money that the Chinese government has? And now, this is all speculative in terms of China. Any country could do this. But China has the majority of hash power now, so it's a reasonable thing to say. Like, if it's not that much money compared to their budget, then who cares if they would rather get rid of Bitcoin? We should make a Bitcoin board game. Yeah, that'd be cool. fun. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be, yeah. it'd be hard to set out the rules. Like the balance China of power nationalizes your mining it's power. It's like risk. What it's like do? risk, but for Bitcoin. Yeah, we should do that. Hey, listeners, you smart motherfuckers, make a make a Bitcoin version of Risk, and then we're gonna slap our logo on it and take most of the proceeds. But then you, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll give a good amount to you. We will in perpetuity. We'll buy you hundred seventy dollars stakes. So, um, um, yeah, so next like, next topic. We got one more topic, and then we probably should riggedy riggedy wrap. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, so uh, I got a tweet. I think someone either put it in. That's one of the discords I'm in. It looked like you were reaching in your pocket. I got a tweet in my pocket. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's not what I was doing. Uh, let's see here. In one of my Discord channels, someone posted this tweet um, of the assets under custody growth. The, the growth of assets under custody for Coinbase. Coinbase Custody's division. Cover, uh, starting from, let's see here, July of 18, July of 2018, when they got their first deposit, to today, they've gone from you know a small amount of money to $7 billion dollars in digital currency assets, custody assets, under custody for Coinbase. So one, congratulations to them for like being a quality custodian of other people's coins who like who don't want to assume the risk of holding them themselves for whatever reason. The whole adage is not your not your keys, not your coins. So any mm-hmm. custody based solution is doing is absorbing all the risk of holding holding keys for people. Uh, but and in turn for that, they can provide things that potentially, depending on who the custody solution is, like um, I don't know, insurance. <laughs> yep. Uh, quality infrastructure, uh, knowledge, experience, so on and so forth. Uh, so uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And I'm just gonna say company. this. I'm gonna say this and say it for like the 15th time. Coinbase will be the fastest company ever to have a trillion dollar valuation. You think in so? the history of man, oh yeah, dude. They're imagine what they're doing with all this money. That's look at they started staking in April of this year, and look at it just skyrocketed up there. Well, the staking isn't necessarily um, like you can see. There's, there's like step functions here. Those are acquisitions. Yeah, that largest one is probably the the recent announcement of them acquiring Zappo and all of their custody. Yeah, but custody. they bought Zappo for 55 million. How does it jump from 2 billion? Because sorry, they 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 three. bought the holdings of whatever custody solutions Zappo had, I think. Okay. I think that that may be completely off there, but there's a huge step function which is usually in terms of an acquisition. Mm-hmm. No, wait a minute. They acquired their portfolio at 55 million. So they valued their portfolio at probably around 11 million. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. We have no idea the well, the, more than likely the five x whatever they per- purchased for the returns of the custody, okay. right? So like that's you should be you should be basing off their the um, evaluation based on whatever profits you make from holding that custody. Typically, you take projected value of the actual assets multiplied times five over. Yeah, but you, the custody itself isn't assets. That's like. The, the, I guess I guess it would be because it makes it yeah. makes a return, but they're making interest money. on the, like the you're trying to yeah. You're, you should be you should be you should be basing evaluation off of profits, or and 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 then well, yeah, like yeah, yeah. actual things. things like they have eleven million dollar in, in projected profits over. Like if they were to take that money and intelligently invest it, using that's their 10%, cloud, which can right? be, then then they, then they would probably yeah. So they're probably more like valued at around twenty to twenty five million. Um, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was Winston doesn't he work for Coinbase too? 
He did at one point. Who? So I mean, it's the Coinbase is taking over. Coinbase. 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 And I don't. I don't. Um. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. You know, one. Whenever my family members use Coinbase, they absolutely love it. There's no way around that. I they use Coinbase for various things. Our, our shop, our shop yesterday uses Coinbase. Yeah. That's where we that's yeah. where we do a good portion of our like any any money yeah. that we earn goes through Coinbase on the podcast. Why? So we could pay By taxes way, appropriately. We should be using a BTC Pay server. Uh, I I ran into their dev yesterday and I saw what they do. They make it and it, I think it it links up with Shopify. Uh, we could take Bitcoin and we could take Lightning Network. Cool, uh, I like that. And it's it's very plug and play. And like everybody at the conference, that's one thing. It's, if you even mentioned BTC Pay, it was a round of applause from everyone. Everyone was, and that's like a whole room of you know, 120 some odd people. And so I talked to him. Is it invite only? Like, yeah, it's stupid easy. Uh, or they just it's they not just invite capped, only. Just capped it to small amount. It of just people. capped at 125, which is a smart play, right? Because mm-hmm. Depends. It's depends on what your what your goal is, but I like I like small conferences personally. Yeah, um, the big large conferences is too much damn work, man. You forget to eat. You're walking all damn day. Can't see it all. A million people can't see. There's the crypto like a, odor. You literally can't see all the talks because there's too many of them. Yeah, happening like simultaneously. Odor is something. Defcon's gonna be rough. And that's just a con odor in gener- general. Oof. A con like odor. Watch break, <laughs> that's a <dude>. thing. <laughs> I I. Man, y'all, I might y'all start a personal shower. marketing campaign before DevCon is just like, wash your gooch. That's a trigonomy right there. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag wash your gooch before well, you walk. It's like Comic-Con, like anime conventions, like MAGFest and stuff. They actually have signs all over the place that say, yo, be kind to everybody else. Fucking shower, dude. Like seriously, like take That's a shower. True. I hope, and I hope anime the sign says take fucking showers shower, and stuff on these pictures and stuff. Like, yeah, these are like that's a thing they post everywhere at these places. That's fucking weird, dude. That's that you have to tell people to take a shower. Yeah, that's weird. But then you yeah. think about who's attending, and you're like, ah, oh, they probably don't leave their room much. Yeah, you not in good yeah. habits. You are disgusting. That's what it should play in their head every 15 minutes when they're playing their game. At least it's not like anyways. Work. Um. Huh? Nothing. <laughs> um, what? Oh, so Coinbase custody. That's still what we're talking about for a little bit. Um, ultimately, let's say, do you see this as a good thing or a bad thing, Corey? I don't have a problem with it. It's fine. It, 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 it does make a honeypot. Like it's depending on how good their security is. And I've talked to their security officer or like their, the head of security at Coinbase. Um, and they have really, really good protocols for storing assets especially on behalf of other people um i don't see them as a honeypot or not maybe honeypot's not the right word but like basically a, an accumulation of wealth in this in a, in, a, in a central location because they're using the technology appropriately that's not the case so like a breach isn't going to take billions of assets because they're not all storing in a pool like you would normally do with bank accounts and stuff right mm-hmm. you can't access all of that wealth simultaneously. They're just the new bank. Man. So if the, if there is a breach, it's like, you know, that's, that's that's the issue you have to deal with. Like if you're holding value, a lot of a lot of other people's value that tends to amalgamate or like accumulate into a into a central pool. If you look at exchanges, that's why they're hacked so much because most of the time, in order to have a, that that like high throughput um, uh, efficiency of an exchange, you need to have a lot of a lot of value stored in a central place. That's other people's money, basically. So that's 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 rot for people trying to go after it because it's a it's a it's it's a it's the best way to get a bunch of money for a small amount of work, relatively small amount of work. Um, mm. If you use this technology appropriately, that doesn't happen. And I have I, have, I, I feel that Coinbase uses the technology appropriately so that you can't tap or hack their system and steal all the money it's because it's not all sitting in a central pool. Mm-hmm. Whereas with bank accounts, that's always going to be an issue. Yeah. Mm, no, bank accounts are redundantly stored across the country. So if one gets fault and you hack one database, you have to actually go through and hack the others too. They would they would all kind of personally verify. Okay. They do the same I, thing. I would this love is to best have. Practices. This is basic best practice. Yeah, I would love to have someone on who knew more about Stuart traditional Pope infrastructure. Stuart Popejoy. Well, Pope the Joy. Liberty X dude. Popejoy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Worked with. Uh, yeah. Comes from there. Li- 
Liberty X right. guy worked with ATMs for his entire career, like traditional ATMs, and that's why he switched over and made it so easy to do. Now, that's a conversation I would like to have in terms of like looking at with a more like deeper eye traditional technology systems. Um, because like if you, when you when you're in this space, all you hear is that the old legacy system is faulty. It doesn't work. It's built up on. It's basically like, you know, um, just led no, by carts and horses. Oh. It works. But I'm saying like it works great. Like yeah, I don't know where they get I, that from. That's I know, right. but that's all you hear. And so it's I want to know more about why and how things work, and, and like see, the fundamental see, that's just, problems. That's, that's just like misspeaking when they say that stuff. Because well, really, maximum. what they're intending to say is that it's not as efficient as it possibly could be in an ideal world. And that's okay because we didn't live in an ideal world. We still don't because Bitcoin honestly doesn't have the transactional throughput to support the ideal world we're talking about. Um, you'd have to go to layer two solutions, to even get close to that. And even then you'd have to diversify across those. So like uh, the real world has been dealing with this transaction per second throughput problem, redundancy and security uh, validation issue, like for decades. I mean, like, IBM mainframes were built to handle this stuff, you know, 1960s, even starting in the 1950s. Okay, they started building these kind of machines to to understand this kind of high transactional throughput, you know, security-based um, architectures, and, and they've solved these problems. So these are not like unsolved, unknown problems. The thing is they're aging, they're getting rusty, and uh, the people who know how to fix them are dying. I worked with a guy named uh, David Von Bisto, who told me a story about how this African nation, I can't remember which one, probably Senegal, had a rolling blackout that was occurring every two weeks and they couldn't figure out why. And this is all based around, I, they've traced the problem to their IBM mainframes, which are doing financial transactions um, in their system. Well, apparently what was actually, they brought three in, three guys in and they couldn't fix it. So eventually they brought David in. David's an older gentleman, so he, he knew this stuff. I mean, he's, he was very old at this point. Um, so he goes over there, they fly him in. He had to find one little transistor that was, that was, that was turning, flipping, um, from a zero to one, um, and it was attached to a clock on the system. So when enough time had passed, that that bit would flip and it would throw all their financial tra- transactions off, and that would cause people's the the whole system to kind of basically collapse. And then they'd have to reboot it and start it over again and start to get, start to counter back at zero. But then every two weeks again, it would pop back up. He found this one little thing. He goes down to the equivalent of Radio Shack over there. Grabs, grabs a little replacement part, pops it in, pops it out, and says, thank you, I'll take my money now, and then leaves leaves Africa. Those people are dying, okay? Most of our infrastructure and, back, and, and backbone of our society is built on these old systems. Why do you see IBM investing so much money in Hyperledger and, 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 these, and these blockchain initiatives trying to get people in supply chain and financial institutions involved? Hold on now, hold on, Watts. That's a lot. You're saying a lot. I'm trying to keep up with you. I'm a ranter. I apologize. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> you get called started. Right. You get revved up, and he just goes. Yeah. Um, so, hold up. Okay. So I get what you're saying is that like these antiquated systems. The main point is that no bad. one paying attention to is that they're not bad. They're there's no one that's going to be left to maintain them. That's one of the arguments. The other one is is that there's better ways to do it now. There's so newer technology, better ways to yeah. do it. We've learned a lot. So it's so, not that they're bad. I don't think that's fair to the people who built this. These people are geniuses. Like that's cruel. Like these people invested their lives in this stuff. You know, these are these are really they they have a lot of good advice. I think, and I think the one big failing of this system, and 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 what's going on in this world is that we're not pulling from this huge source of wisdom and knowledge that these guys are uh, and a good a example of that though. a good argument a good good example of that is Stuart Popejoy who I think is onto something with with Cadena and 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 uh, Will Moreno like they're onto something with Chainweb they are and they're onto something with Pact they are they know the problems they understand these issues because they were in that space for so long and 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 they're building something really different and cool as a result so um like I I think uh I, I don't think it's fair to say that the old system's bad. It's actually quite good. And it's lasted us for decades, yeah. decades and decades and decades. And you can't look at something that lasts that long when most of my software projects disappear after four years. Like, you know, and these things are, are still ticking decades later. That's awesome. Fantastic work, guys. Where's the trigonomy in this? That's what I'm trying to find. Old bank's good. Old bank's good? Old bank's no. okay? No. No, thanks. Not bad. Old infrastructure, fine. New infrastructure, no. better. There we go. New infrastructure, better. That's what we need to go with. New infrastructure, better. So if that's the case, 
how do you that's a word of wisdom if any bitcoin enthusiasts and also bitcoin devs are listening right now which i hope that you are maybe you should go seek out some wise advice from an elder and maybe that would help us scale this thing or at least get some sort of reason why our scaling solutions right now are not gaining enough traction like we'd hoped and then maybe maybe it's just a simple conversation and the, the elders will say like oh yeah you gotta switch those numbers and so i guess I basically a, a good call of action here is if you are listening and you know someone who would make a good conversationalist about this stuff let us know and we'll bring them on the show yeah and have that conversation on yeah, let's talk about the history of this stuff. Like, like that's that's kind what of what I was like, saying. Like, I want to have more conversations about the history of yeah. this stuff so that we could potentially learn from a lot of that wisdom. And more often than not, whenever some comes somebody comes up with some revelation or new innovation in technology, it was built many, many, many years ago. They just didn't have the infrastructure to implement it appropriately. So okay. let's find those gems, have those conversations, and learn from them. I agree. All right, let's, 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 we can start to wrap. Let's wrap. So uh, if you've been listening to this show and you like it, please subscribe on your little app. There's a button. It'll probably be blue. You can push it, and it'll say subscribed. Um, and then you get to listen to us all the time, and we know that's what you want. Um, you can tell your friends as well. We'd love it if you join the Slack. If you go to the thebitcoinpodcast.com, push the Slack button, fill out the fields, and then push the button, you'll be able to join the Slack. Uh, Wait, how all... do forms work again? You'd how do forms? Uh, you answer the yeah, questions, yeah. and then you push really? the button, and then they're done. Yeah. The questions are, it. what is I your got name? Thanks, guys. What is your you email? don't know how many emails I got about, hey, man, I can't get into the Slack. What's wrong? It's like, oh, it's crazy, because it's all you do is fill out your email and then push the button. And then you're in the Slack. It's it's really well, easy. Well, the problem is it kind of used to um, general than the, the normal user interface and user experience flow for Slack. Normally, you click a link, and it opens up like this Slack page and says, join through that, and then you, you sign sign up. Mm -hmm. This kind of like puts a little gatekeeper in front of it. So I Yeah, but I mean, I've, I've had so much. That's so interesting because like a lot of people are scared of Slack, especially like if you're above a certain age. Because it's it's not what you're used to in terms of uh, communicating with people, like joining a virtual room with with or joining a, a virtual building with a bunch of virtual rooms in them with different conversations. It's not something that people are used to. Like Slack is an innovative technology in terms of doing online uh, so IRC discussions, folks. right? Of, of course, but like IRC was 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 limited to um, the technologically elite, whereas Slack is not in my opinion. Um, and so because of that, like people have need, they need some type of adjustment time to get used to it. But by, by far, everyone that has taken that step to actually get used to it and used it on a semi-regular basis ends up loving it. Mm -hmm. I like discord. I like discord too, but it's the exact same thing. Yeah, pretty much it's is, the same yeah. concept, right? Except it's a little rooms. more centralized, actually, which is funny. They can actually parcel all the stuff that you're doing. Yeah, it's rooms. Like it's just it's just it's rooms in a virtual building. Yes. Sir. Um. Yeah. Oh. So what else do we do? We have we other have shows that run on the network. We have a book. We have a book. Uh, we'll in, in ten words or less. Yep. We have a store. We have a store as well. Store dot bitcoinpodcast.com. Go there. That's where we're going to sell our future. Uh, board game yeah so th yep. that's where the board game is going to go you can also buy hats shirts beanbag covers bean bags if you're into <laughs> that kind of thing uh goofy shirts goofy shorts all kinds of stuff there's stuff there we'll and keep, throw we'll, pillows and throw pillows so we're just gonna keep adding dumb stuff and fun stuff and yeah. cool stuff and whatever go on there it's constantly updated buy our things also uh <laughs> God, that guy who made the beanbag chair is such a total dipshit. I don't know why anybody would ever buy that. It's got to be, yeah, be D. That guy's a total dim dumbass. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that first purchase. Just, just out of spite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Somebody also, buy the beanbag chair. Make me feel better, damn it. We also have a Patreon. Um, if you like the content we produce, especially on the Bitcoin podcast, you can join the Patreon to get early access to it. Uh, for you can get a few days early access um, on a on a very on its own feed, so that you only get. Bitcoin podcast on that RSS feed. Um, and then you'll, we'll, we'll be giving out discounts and things like that through uh, Patreon members and other, other types yeah. of goodies. 
yeah. playing that. Support um, us. Corey, can I make the announcement about us looking for a producer? I mean, we, we might be. Yeah. Go ahead. Whatever you want. So here's the deal, everyone. Uh, you know the network is growing and it continues to grow. And several of those shows have guests on those shows. Um, and because generally all the hosts on this network uh, do this out of passion, um, we don't have a lot of ha- like part time. Uh, we're we're qu- as we grow, we're running out of time on the side. And so what we'd like is for an individual that could talk with the shows, um, help us develop our own rubrics for guests that we'd like. And your job would be to keep us fully loaded on guests across all the shows course it would be up to the host to get final approval of the guest that you sought out but essentially we're looking for a producer to do procurement uh because we all do this as a side gig and if we're going to continue to grow and provide good content we're going to need help and so that's what we're asking for this will be a position that has remuneration and if you don't know what that word means you can't have the position so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's how that that's comes. how our interviews work son <laughs> yeah um so we if you are interested in that please dm Corey uh or myself and we will have a discussion and that's an email are... to info at the bitcoin podcast.com absolutely info at the bitcoin podcast.com as well and um i think this will really help us provide better content for you all uh, we love doing interviews, but it just became a process that got hard to maintain over the years. And it's because, well, we're fucking bosses. And like, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, we just, uh, we're, we're running low on time. So we need some help. Uh, if you want to help out, hit us up. Info at the Bitcoin podcast.com. Um, Wrap it up. Yep. Hashing it out. Listen to it. Just the headers. That's your shit. I'm rapping with D. Just drap, just dropped. Drapped. Uh, it was just drapped on y'all's asses. Uh, it was a uh, uh, old friend of mine who's a landscaper who's been hearing me talk crazy shit on Facebook for six years, and he was like, "Hey, I, I think I really want to buy Bitcoin, but what the fuck's going on?" And I oh, helped I'm... him understand. Um, new show eventually will new be show. dropped. Yeah. Uh, by design with Reem, it's coming soon, blocked and by uh, not just by design. Blocked my design uh, with Reem. It almost seems like it could be a soap opera. It's a nice name. Is this a anyway. mini series or a, a continual show? Continual uh, show. it's going to start as a mini series, then it's going to be continual dependent. So, dependent upon. See how it goes. Content yep. creation is hard. Yep. All right. Thank you, Colin, for swinging in as the host that talks third this, <laughs> this week. Yeah, well, we're going to bring right. bring people into the, the, the co-host. That'd be fun. Just for yeah. shits and giggles. I'll be the host that talks first. You'll be the host that talks second. And then we'll, we'll try to have a host that talks third. <laughs> All right. Um, shout out to Zoe Zaldana, Zazi Beats, and Loretta Ferguson. Play...